Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is officially my youngest guest ever. She's 16 years old, is a multiple-time world champion martial artist, and has been doing karate for most of her life. In 2021, she performed on a French TV show called Game of Talents. And when not doing martial arts, she enjoys doing outdoor activities, spending time with her dogs and making art, and also collecting rocks and shells. Please welcome my guest today, Samantha Mittling. How are you doing today, Samantha? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. So how we like to start things off, uh, kind of go back to the beginning. Um, I realize you're only 16, but kind of go back to what, what led to you first getting involved in martial arts? Was it your decision? Was it, was it your parents? What kind of drew you to that? So when I was five years old, I was in preschool and there was a kid in my class who did karate and we were really close and he would always just talk about karate. And because I was with somebody that was always talking about it, I was like, okay, this is something that I would really like to do. So I told my parents, I said that, hey, I really want to do karate. And they were like, ah, well, maybe not right now, because a lot of times, like a lot of young kids, they'll say that they want to do something. And then a few weeks later, they completely forget about it. So they were going to wait until the summer. Mm -hmm. And then they waited like six months later and they asked me again. And I was still like completely on board with it. I really wanted to do it. And that's where it all started. So then did you pick the same school your friend was going to or how did you choose your school? Yes, we went to the same school that my friend went to. It was actually the closest karate school to us, too, which okay. is really nice. Okay. And do you, which school was that and what uh, what specific style of karate was it? It was the Professional Karate Studios in Lionel Lakes. They focus more on Taekwondo and more of the Korean style of martial arts. Okay. So think about those, the first couple classes. What what stands out? What, do you, what, you know, what, if anything, do you remember about those first few classes and what kind of made you think, wow, this is really cool? I had so much fun my first couple of classes I just remember about how like heavy they were on about like the respect of the martial arts like having to say your yes sirs and yes ma'ams and making sure that you're paying attention and listening and I just had a lot of fun with it learning how to kick and punch I mean I had fun being able to scream at the top of my my lungs like just yelling that was really fun I remember we played some dodgeball too to end the class because we were all working hard that was like, that was the biggest thing for me. And even just watching the kids in the next class after me, mm -hmm. what they were doing, I really looked up to them and I knew like, okay, this is something that I want to do. Okay. So you did dodgeball. So your instructor also blended in games to kind of, did of disguise it as exercise and have fun. <laughs> yes. Four to five year old kids kind of need something like that sometimes. Oh yeah. No, my instructor does the same thing. And I, that's the one thing I sometimes enjoy when I, all my kids going through martial arts and doing dodgeball. They did, um, one of the ones I enjoyed was penguin soccer where he actually 
tied both their feet together and brought out these huge balls and they had to hop and kick with their feet tied together and little kids falling down and trying to get back up and it was entertaining and, and they had a blast doing it. So That's really interesting. I'm going to have to try to do that sometime <laughs> with my students. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Cool. So then at what, uh, at what level did the competition start for you? I actually did my first tournament when I was a little dragon, green stripe, or blue stripe. So I was six years old when I did my first competition. And what do you remember about that? I had so much fun. For me, I've always been one that likes the attention. I love being able to perform in front of people. Before karate, I actually did dance. And the whole, my favorite part about dance was just the recitals and being able to perform in front of people. So that's what you get to do at tournaments. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I had a couple of people in my division with me. It wasn't a huge division, but I won. And I just, I had a lot of fun with it. And I knew that this was something that I wanted to continue doing. Nice. So which, uh, which parts did you compete in? I did, I think just traditional forms. It was one of the curricular forms that they gave us. And then uh, when did you start branching out? Because I know you obviously you're, you're kind of known for the musical weapons forms. When did you start adding the other stuff to your competition? I didn't start doing more of the musical stuff that you had brought up until I was a black belt. Okay. I was a black belt. So I was, I want to say I was 10 when I started doing more stuff like that. Cool. So then obviously from like six to 10, uh, roughly how many tournaments do you think you did a year? Was there a lot of local ones? Did you travel quite a bit for them? I, so for our local circuit, we had about four to five tournaments a year, typically around five tournaments a year. And I would do those. And then I tried out my first national tournament. It was actually in Philadelphia when I was nine years old. Wow. So you got your your parents to bring you to Philadelphia at nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we brought our grandparents with. It was a lot of fun. Wow. I, I mean, obviously you were nine, so you said you weren't you weren't a black belt yet, or you were a black belt? I was a black belt. Okay. Uh, we had actually gone to a training camp. It was the American Winter World Competition training mm-hmm. camp beforehand. And just being like in that atmosphere with all of those world champion martial artists and their tournament was actually the one in Philadelphia. So that's kind of what made us want to go out and try that tournament. Okay. Do you remember which tournament that was, the name of it? It was called the American Internationals. That was a team. Okay, cool. Now, did you ever do, I know I've had a few guests on here that have done the NASCA tournaments. Did you do any of the NASCA circuit? Yes, I did the NASCA circuit. I do all the tournaments. I've been doing this for probably four years, since 2018. Okay, okay. Yeah, so my first ever sport karate tournament that I went to just to watch, uh, I think I was 16, and I drove down uh, to the Diamond Nationals with about four friends. A friend of ours was competing we drove down to watch. Awesome. Yeah, so that was my first ever big martial arts tournament watching. So it was quite an experience. <laughs> that was the same with me. For me living in Minnesota, that was a more local national tournament. And it was just so inspiring and amazing to see all of those amazing martial artists. So do you remember the first time you went to watch the Diamond Nationals? I the first well, I first started competing there in 2013. I was an underbelt and I didn't okay. really start to watch more of the black belts until 2015. Oh, 2015 okay. was the year when I started more watching the black belts. Okay. Like the like the Saturday night championship round and stuff and Yes, the okay. night show, runoffs, all of that stuff. So who are some of the ones you remember looking up to thinking I, you know, I want to do that, I want to I want to be that, I want to get to that level? Who were some of the ones that inspired you? Honestly, one of my biggest inspirations at the time was Sammy Smith. The biggest thing was because we had the same name. So I was like, oh, that's <laughs> okay. really cool. Like, we have the same name. And Jacob Pinto, I remember seeing him. Sun Gao, I mean, he does more of the Wushu style, but it was still really amazing to see what he does. Jackson Rudolph, 
the Presleys, people like that. Okay, cool. And then at what level do you, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember, I, should, I used to know all this, but at what age do you switch to the adult competition? Is it 18 or is it younger now? It's 18. So you have okay. your 18 to 29 division and then they'll do 30 plus and then they'll keep going from there. Okay. So you still got a couple more years of, of competing against the younger kids and stuff. And I do. Okay, yes. Cool. And then, so now you do, you're pretty much known for bow staff. Do you do other weapons? I can do nunchucks. I can do sword. I can do commas. Those are like, and bow staff, obviously those are like the four weapons that I can do and have just done in my life, I guess. Okay. And which is your, is bow staff your favorite? Bow staff is definitely my favorite, and if I had to pick a second one, it would probably be nunchucks. Okay. So now are you, do you ever go back and, I've always wanted to ask one of the younger competitors this, I mean, do you go back and study like the history of a lot of those tournaments? Do you know some of the the pioneering people from like the 80s and 90s that competed, or do the, I guess the young kids not do that nowadays? (laughs) I feel like more of the younger generation doesn't do that as much. Um, One of my first coaches, actually, Nick Schneider, he... Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that he really drilled into me and some of his other students was sport karate history. So he would have us like we would have weapons camps or whatever it was. And he would just put up on the TV about all these people that competed in like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And that's because of that. That's how I know more about like sport karate history. I know kind of like who more started the sport and just kind of how things have branched out from there. Okay. So then you, you possibly heard of a few of my previous guests. I actually interviewed Casey Marks. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. She was one of, one of my first NASCA guests and also Carmichael Simon, who is kind of a a legend in that world. They've both been on my show and I'm actually trying to get Larry Carnahan on the show. Yeah. Larry Carnahan and Joe Worley, since they live in Minnesota, I've kind of grown up with them on my karate circuit that I compete at locally. Very cool. And if you haven't seen this at all, maybe you've heard of it, but you should go online and, and find the TV show WMAC Masters. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but it was a, a show that was only on, I think, two or three seasons in the 90s, but it was almost all the people were NASCA competitors. Oh, Car- Carmichael Simon was on. It, yeah, Carmichael Simon was on there. It's it, it was kind of a game show, but not really. It was based around martial arts competition. Herb Perez was on there. Michael Bernardo was on. There were so many legends on there. Christine Banner wow. Rodriguez. And I know there, there's kind of a resurgence of it. So if, if you appreciate the history of that, you you might enjoy watching some of those episodes and seeing some of those people compete and stuff on there. And the show itself was kind of cheesy, but just it's, I was a big fan of it, you know, <laughs> watching it back in, in the 90s. So you, you might, you might yeah. appreciate it. I would love to look it up. That sounds really cool. Cool. So now you had mentioned um, you know, earlier about some of your students. So now what, what, uh, what level and what age did you start teaching at and, and assisting and stuff? I first started volunteering at my karate school right when I got my black belt. So I was nine at the time. Okay. And I would, I would help assist like once a week. It was usually every Thursdays. And I kept on doing that for probably, I probably did volunteering and like assisting like that for quite a few years. Okay. It was probably like four years. And I really enjoyed that. And now I teach four days a week at the karate school that I go to. And then I also do seminars. I teach private lessons, classes, things like that. Okay. And what what do you enjoy most about teaching? Just being able to share my knowledge with other people. I feel like when it comes to what we do, there isn't a lot of people out there that can do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's just really nice being able to share that information with other people that are willing to learn. And I also really like seeing when, like some of the young kids that I work with, 
they'll be usually for younger kids. I mean, it's a bit harder for them to be able to grasp concepts and be able to learn things and understand what they're doing. So when I just see kind of like that light bulb flash, that's such an amazing thing for me that they understand it just like that light bulb moment. That's one of my favorite things about teaching. Okay. I know one thing for me when I started teaching was that I, I realized as I taught the stuff, I learned it better myself. It, it helped my technique and, and my skills so much more by teaching it to other people. Definitely. That's one of the biggest things I've noticed too, especially in sparring. I have never been a spar, mm -hmm. never <laughs> been really good at it. But when I'm teaching sparring class, I've noticed that I've been able to have a different perspective of sparring and just be able to understand it more. And that's kind of like what you've been saying. And that's yep. been really helpful. Yep. I'm in the same way. I've never been, I've never enjoyed sparring, but I love teaching other people to spar. <laughs> so right? it's kind of weird. Kind of, I, I, I've seen, I've never been a competition person. I've been in one tournament my whole life. I, I, I had my first ever tournament. I was 18 and I got my headgear kicked off. And I did, the thing is, I didn't want to go to the tournament. My instructor forced me to. So I, 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 I've i been lucky enough. I've had amazing instructors throughout my career. I had one bad instructor. And that was the one. And he forced me to compete. I had no interest in doing it. And basically made me do it. And I hated it. <laughs> but but now oh, with, wow. my, with my current instructor, I love, I love helping teach. I love working with people. And I, I actually love teaching sparring. I just no interest in doing it myself in tournaments. So. <laughs> yeah, I have actually never sparred in a tournament and people always find it so funny because mm -hmm. I've just, I've always just been competing and they're like, out of all the years that you've competed, you've never done sparring, but I just, I don't like being a punching bag, but it's, <laughs> it's such a good skill though. It is such a good skill to learn though, sparring, especially like yes. in the world that we live in now. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So, so thinking back then, what are, obviously you said that was the, the school you chose was the closest school to you. It was convenient. What are some things that once you got there, that instructor, what stood out about your first instructor that made you want to stay? I mean, I know you just, you loved the class, you had fun, but what was it specifically about that instructor that made you want to stick with them? When I first, well, I, I don't, I'm sure a lot, some people may know who this is. Bill Miller, he was the owner of the karate school. And I remember my first day that I went in, it was like my intro lesson, just how like friendly and like nice he was to everybody, but he also was strict and serious and it was just really amazing like you know sometimes people will goof off but like when he walked in everybody just like you know you could see the respect that they had for them and that was amazing like I wanted to be able to get the same respect someday and one of the other karate instructors that I worked with on my first day her name was Mrs. Cromey she was really strong like she I guess during one class she held like a four and a half wall so like it was crazy wow. and I really looked up to that especially for me being a girl having another girl to look up to really really helped me out I think and helped me enjoy karate more that okay she can do this I can do this too that's cool so you can, kind of funny you bring that up because that's something that you know so when you first started how many other girls were in your class that's one thing I, I, I've noticed it's it's changed over the years but I know back five ten years ago at the younger levels you know like six seven eight nine ten there's a lot more girls in class but as they get older there seems to be less and less are you seeing that the same at the school you go to or is it because you're having success do you are maybe more joining because of you possibly I feel like there's always been more guys and girls mm -hmm. in karate like when I first started I think just me and my sister were the only girls really that were my age there wasn't a ton of girls I'm starting to see more and more girls doing karate which is great because I feel like it's a good thing for everybody to learn 
but I do I do see that where it is more guys, but I am starting to see more of like a trend of girls joining too, which is great. Good. So talk about the the world championships. You know, how did that first one come about? What kind of led to it? What did it take to get there? And, and what was that competition like? So I won my first world title in 2019. Being a world champion was always a huge dream and goal of mine. Like the year before, so 2018, when I was competing, I had gotten what we call world top 10. So if you get, if you are ranked from second to 10th place in the NASCA ratings, you're considered world top 10. And for me, always wanting to get better and be the best I can be, I wasn't satisfied. So I remember just going to my dad and looking at him and I was like, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes so I can get this world title next year. And I just, I worked really hard for that. The first tournament of the year, actually, I had in my mind that I was going to get this world title. I was going to get it. And my first division I did, I took third, I think. And then for me not being satisfied because I always want to get better, I was like, okay, I'm going to get this next one. And then I won that other division. And then I just kept on having that mindset throughout the whole year. Obviously, NASCA is one of the most prestigious circuits in the world. So you have, I mean, I would have 15, at least 15 people in my division. So it was, they were huge divisions from all over the world. And I just, I practiced really hard. I would practice a few hours a day and I would take private lessons and I just kept continuing to get myself better. And I never gave up and looked away from that goal. To win the world championship. So is that just points accumulated throughout the year or is there an actual specific tournament to win that? Um, it, it's more through points. Okay. So by you winning your divisions, that's how you're going to get that world title. Okay. So it's not, I mean, competing at tournaments is what's going to help you get most points, but if right. you're not winning your divisions, you're not going to get that world title. So how many would it just, I mean, obviously there's not a set number, but roughly how many divisions would you have to win to probably at least be in contention for that world title throughout the year? So I would say it depends on how many people that you are against. And a lot of divisions in NASCAR have probably like 10 to 15 people in, some more, some less. And I would say that you should probably be winning at least half of the tournaments of that of the year. You should be winning at least half of them and then getting top three in the other ones. Okay. And then out of those 15 that are in like every division, so how many of those go, the most of those 15 go to every single tournament usually also? Most of them do. Usually you'll have like, well, out of, out of the 15 people, obviously there's always going to be local people that don't do the national circuit that join. I would say consistently there was probably like six of us that would just go to every single tournament and we were always like head to head with each other. Pretty much coming down to you know one one of six of you that are gonna be competing for it every year. So yeah. right, who's gonna train harder? Who wants it more? That was kind of like that was the mindset. And how many how many times have you won it now? I won one in twenty nineteen, and then with twenty twenty with the pandemic, there wasn't a right. really a circuit. And then I got another one in twenty twenty one. Very cool. And then how many tournaments have you done so far this year? Is it back to normal now this year mostly? It is back to normal okay. this year. I've done some local ones and on the national circuit. I have gone to Chicago, California, Rhode Island, um, Atlanta, and then this upcoming weekend, I'm going to Orlando for the U.S. Open. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. And then it was uh, Atlanta. That was the Battle of Atlanta? That was the Battle of Atlanta. Okay. Yes, sir. The only one I've been, like I said, the only NASCAR event I've been to is Diamond Nationals. I never <laughs> went to, the other, only other big one I've gone to is the um, uh, Ed Parker Long Beach Internationals in Long Beach, California. I went to that a few times back oh, in the 90s, okay. which... Use, at one point, used to be one of the most prestigious tournaments in the world. Um, obviously, it's there's a lot more out there now, and it's changed. But that was a, a, at one point that had 
and it's I interviewed a few people who were part of that. And at one point in its heyday, there was three to four thousand competitors or something every year in that That's tournament. Crazy. Yeah, like cra- that is a lot of people. <laughs> crazy, wow, crazy. Diamond Nationals is one of the most prestigious tournaments in the world, and I'm very thankful that it is close to where I live, so I don't have to like travel across the country for it. So when you compete there, do you have a lot of your local friends that normally don't get to see you compete that come and cheer you on? Yes. A lot of, so for the, I go to the professional karate studios and we have five locations and we really encourage people going out to that tournament and just kind of seeing like a whole different level of competition than we have locally. So we usually have quite a few people from the karate schools and I really like it because a lot of the kids I teach will go there and then they look up to me and then they can just kind of see what I do and feel inspired by it. And then I'll have more family come out and then friends will come out too. Very it's a great event. Nice. Yeah, it is. It is. If any Anyone who's in Minnesota, if you've never been to it, just, just go, even just go watch the Saturday, the Saturday event and the, the championships. Do they still do like the seminars on Friday nights and stuff too sometimes? Like the night before? Or do they not do that anymore? They used to do like, I used to go to seminars on Friday nights with like Bill Superfoot Wallace and people like that, that they do. Yeah. That. Sometimes they'll have seminars on Thursday nights or like the day before. I feel like that's what a lot of tournaments have. Okay. But I don't think there is as much as there used to be. But definitely, if you are in the area, you will feel inspired just even going to watch the night show. Cool. All right. So talk a little bit about uh, Game of Talents and, and how that came about. I actually had received a DM on Instagram and this was about three weeks before they wanted to fly me out. And it was just, it was pretty chaotic. So I had received a message and at first I didn't think it was real because (laughs) I just felt like, okay, if someone was reaching out to be uh, reaching out to me, it would be more in like a professional way instead of just messaging me on Instagram. And because they didn't have the best English because they're French, they like the grammar wasn't the best and they misspelled a lot of things. So I was like, okay, this is probably a scam. So I actually messaged them back. I was wondering if this was a scam because, you know, you just get random messages like that all the time on social media. And the lady was like, no, this is real. I can send you my LinkedIn and some other things. And then I didn't really respond back. And then she had actually found my mom on Facebook and messaged, messaged her. And honestly, the three weeks before the show, it was just really crazy. Um, we were just trying to plan uh, with the, the background dancers, like how they were going to fit in with what I was doing and what I wanted for an outfit and costume and how I wanted my hair and makeup to look and just trying to play around with different music options and the whole set, like if they wanted to do pyrotechnics or just the background and everything, it was really crazy, but it was a, it was a great experience and I would definitely want to do it again. So then now was this an actual like competition, like America's Got Talent? It would, did it have, or was it just a one, one day thing or was it a over, over multiple shows? So this is a little bit different and yeah. I feel like a lot of people get Game of Talents mixed up with America's Got Talent. Right. Game of Talents is a new show that just came out. What happens in Game of Talents, it's not necessarily a competition like America's Got Talent where you are competing with other people's talents and you have judges. For Game of Talents, you have a couple panels of celebrities or contestants. In America, I know they had contestants and in France, they had celebrities. And they had to try to guess what your talent was. And if they got it right, they would 
earn money for whatever they wanted to put the money to. Like for France, they were trying to see who could donate the most money to a, a charity. Okay. So what happened with that show? I would come out with, they made me look like I wasn't a martial artist. So they made me look like I was a really young schoolgirl. Mm-hmm. So they put on this like jean jacket and jean skirt and some cute shoes. And then I just came out and I was supposed to act really shy, which actually worked really well because I was nervous. So I could, <laughs> it was, it wasn't, it was pretty easy to be able to act. So yeah, I came out, I gave a little like introduction about myself. I said my name, my age, just some things that I enjoy that don't have to do with karate. And then they were just looking at me. They had behind me on the wall, they had different talents that I could be. They had like 10 different things I could be like, There was obviously the martial artist that I was. There was a silk aerialist. There was a heavy metal singer, a (laughs) vegetable orchestra. That's actually what they thought I was. Wow. Um, And there are some other things, too. So they had to make a guess from that. And then I went backstage. And while I was backstage, they had a clue video playing. And in this clue video, it just... In the video, it gave clues about what I could be. So in the video, there was, I think it was the host. He was in a museum or something, like an art museum, I think. And he was just showing off all this different artwork. And then some of the clues that were hidden in that video, there was a rack of like these poles, which kind of shows that I do bow staff. There was a panda. There was a belt. Some of the things that they said had to do with karate too, but I couldn't tell because it was in French. So yeah, they had to make a guess off of that. And then after they made the guess, I would come back on stage, they would open it up, and then I would perform. And they were really surprised that I was a martial artist because none of them just thought that that's what I was and that's what I looked like. Very cool. That that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. I'd love to hear you do the the heavy metal singing, though. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of fun. I I don't know why they thought it was the vegetable orchestra. That was pretty interesting. But. That's, that's very interesting. So now I, I watched some of the video. Now the background martial artists, were those people that they just provided or did, were you able to bring other people with you? It was people that they provided. Okay. These group of girls, they they did background, they called it background dancing for okay. um, other people's acts too. Like they had it for this one roller skater and they were just kind of like they were there to more add to what i was doing and just so the stage didn't feel as empty i think that's what they said cool so then how did you enjoy france it was a lot of fun because of we were when we went to france actually it was right in the middle of the covid lockdown there which was it was a bit of a struggle to get in but they supplied us with all the paperwork and everything that we needed so technically in France, when we got there, we needed to do a seven-day quarantine before we could perform and do what we wanted to do. Okay. But their quarantine rules were a lot different than they were in America. So you could go out and about and do everything. Oh, really? You just had to have a pass with you. So if the police came and stopped you, you would be able to tell them what you were doing. So it ended up turning into like a 10-day vacation, which was great. Nice. So we just, there was a lot of like different parks that we got to go to, which was really fun. We went to the Eiffel Tower some other like more um historical buildings and sculptures and it was really fun it was a great vacation it was fun being able to do the show too that's awesome so then now you're gonna be let's see 16 so you're junior in high school sophomore in high school i will be a junior in high school yes okay okay so now are you involved in any other school activities or does martial arts take up too much of your time i am actually homeschooled i used to go to public school but just with all the traveling that i was doing and everything makes sense it just was easier if i was homeschooled So a lot of what I do is just if I'm not training, I'm studying for school or just spending time outside. But I used to do 
I did some art things. I would do. I was always into like theater. Cool. I feel like that was something that I really wanted to do, but I didn't really, really have time with it. Yeah, I have three theater kids, so that's that's actually really cool to hear that. That's, yes, yeah. theater theater is a lot of fun. I have a lot of friends that do it too, and they really like it. Okay, awesome. So, what advice would you give you know young people, maybe your age, that are thinking of getting involved in martial arts? They've never done it before. What are some tips you'd give them on what to look for in a school, and maybe some things to avoid? I would say the biggest thing that you want to look for if you're trying to do martial arts is what are what are they teaching you and what is their ultimate goal of what they're doing? I feel like a lot of martial arts schools nowadays, they're more for the business part of it. It's not about trying to teach you to be the best you can be and like to be able to defend yourself. So I would definitely be looking for like just valuing what you're doing with your martial arts. It shouldn't take you two years to get your black belt. It should take you longer than that. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like self-defense is a really important part for a martial arts school. And that's something that they should have. So I would definitely look for a school that does self-defense too. And honestly, if you can have some friends, I feel like when I was starting, having some people that I knew with me was really helpful. If you can go to a karate school that you know people that already go there, or if you have some friends that would like to join with you, I think that's a great way to start too, if you can have people just doing it with you. Um, some things to avoid, just kind of like I said, you don't want it to be more of a business type. You want there to be respect too. I feel like a lot of people do karate. A lot of parents send their kids to karate because they want them to learn the whole respect part about it. And I feel like if I didn't do karate, I wouldn't be who I am today. So really looking for that part of it too. Okay. And I love what you said about friends because that's something too I've noticed just from teaching over the years and stuff. I, I see when groups join, you know, like two, three people join together, they seem to stick with it sometimes longer and they'll, they'll, they'll test together. They'll move through the ranks together. They'll compete together. They'll work out together extra time. So that, that's definitely a, a, a big plus. If you can get, you know, a friend or two to join with you, it, it would, I think it definitely helps in the long run. I agree. <clears throat> especially, I guess not just girls, I mean, some guys too, but especially for girls, mm -hmm. having to yell and scream and hit hard and do things like that in karate can be really awkward at first. I know I felt kind of awkward about it. So if you can have other people doing it with you, other friends that you feel comfortable with, I think it just makes the experience so much better. So does your school have, I know one thing my instructor has done as long as I've known him, he'll do like a couple times a year, he'll do bring a friend to class day. Or that, you know, one day set aside where he encourages all the students to bring an extra friend to class who can try it out. Who can, they'll play some games. They'll learn some basic kicks and stuff. And do you guys do that ever? We used to do that. Okay. Not as much anymore. I feel like after the pandemic, right. things have just kind of changed a little bit. But we used to do that. I think I think I brought a friend a couple of times and I... I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. And then they ended up wanting to do it too, which is great. So I know you're only 16, but I'm curious, uh, have you ever watched like the UFC or MMA? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? And are you a fan at all? I have seen some UFC. <laughs> I'm not a fan of like <laughs> blood and just like <laughs> okay. things like that. And I feel like whenever I watch the UFC or MMA, I see stuff like that. And it doesn't make me feel the greatest, but I have seen some of UFC. I mean, it's, it's okay. I know yeah. some people get really interested into it. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is cool to see kind of how people have branched off and just learning Taekwondo or karate and going into that. It just shows one way how like people learn sparring and just kind of transition into something else. Good. It's not for everybody. So, 
All right. So who are some, you said you kind of, you studied the like Nazca history and stuff. I don't know know if you've studied overall martial arts history, but I'm just curious, who are some martial artists, whether they're people you've met, you've, you've watched in competition, you've trained with yourself, but who are some martial artists that you would put on your Mount Rushmore of martial arts, your personal Mount Rushmore? Like wanting to be like that or? Either like, or just maybe you think they've just had a big impact on the martial arts. Maybe they've had an impact on you personally just some, some people that you think are just above others, just top-notch martial artists, and, and they've, they've just done so much for the art, and maybe it's so much for you. I think people, like, I know you said that you have interviewed Casey Marks. I mm-hmm. think she has been one that has really, like, influenced sport karate. Jackson Rudolph is another one who has really, like, influenced it, and Lauren Carney, too. She She's played a big role in NASCA and sport karate, and just, like, martial arts in general, just kind of, like, she influenced it definitely some people that have really like kind of made a mark on me my coaches nick schneider becca ross Derek megan they've all just kind of influenced me a bit about how i wanted to or just like the style that i do mm-hmm. i feel like it's kind of similar to what they do because they've rubbed off on me good good answer so in, in your 11 plus years of martial arts, is there any philosophies you've learned throughout your martial arts training that are really important to you? You keep coming back to you. You like teaching to your own students. Some of the biggest things that I have learned throughout martial arts is that all that matters is just doing your best. Like, especially when it comes to competitions, I'll have kids that are really scared or just nervous to be able to perform in front of people and they're scared that they're going to lose. And one of the biggest things that has helped me out one of the biggest philosophies, I guess, was that all that matters is that you do your best. You can't control what the judges do. You can't control anything. As long as you feel happy with how you did and you feel like you did your best, that's all that matters. And I really try to just kind of nail that into my students so they realize, okay, well, if I didn't get a good score, it's not the end of the world. It's okay. Another big thing that I I feel like I've taken out of martial arts is confidence. And that's something that I like to pass down to others too, just being confident. I feel like a lot of people that do martial arts, confidence is one of the skills that they have gained from it. So it doesn't even matter. It doesn't have to be anything with martial arts, just whatever you do. If you feel confident with what you're doing, it's just going to make it so much better. Definitely. Good answer. So I know you mentioned you you teach now four times a week. You started teaching and assisting when you were a black belt. I, I know it's only been a short time since you started teaching, but what do you think's changed about your teaching style over those years from when you first started? Honestly, each kid is different. Each student is different. You have to adjust your teaching style and how you get things across to them depending on the student. So The biggest thing that I've learned from when I started to now is that so like you'll have some students that are more sensitive and more timid and you need to you need to be more soft and gentle with them and give them a lot more praise than like, okay, you should work on this. And with some other kids, I mean, they need more of that criticism. They need more of that feedback. They need for you to be tougher on them. And that's that's just something that I feel like I've really learned from teaching Another thing probably, yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. And then just being more detailed. I mean, I've learned a lot of things from just watching students and just teaching over the years, just being able to 
nitpick things a bit more and pick up more on details. I think that's another thing. Okay. So what, what is your ultimate goal? What, what do you think you still want to accomplish? I mean, how long, I mean, are you hoping, I know I've over the years and I've watched tournaments and I see some amazing young people, your age and younger and stuff. And then suddenly three, four, five years later, I don't see them anymore. They, they quit competition. Maybe they burnt out. Who knows? I mean, how long are you hoping to be able to do this? And what, what's kind of your ultimate goal within martial arts? Right. And I think the reason for that is because when people get to become teenagers, they end up getting busy with school or they find other activities that they like to do. I I want to do karate for as long as I can. Like when I was younger, I always said that I want to do karate until I was 87 and a half. That's what I told everybody. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I would like to do karate for as long as I can. The biggest thing for me is that I want to become the best version of myself that I can. So how good can I become? Obviously, like I want to win more world titles. One of my biggest goals is winning a diamond ring at the Diamond Nationals because that's kind of like the tournament where everything just kind of it all everything just kind of started from there. That's one of my biggest goals. Also, I would like to get into in the future more of like more of the performing, like I did a game of talents or even like some both staff stunt work. I think that would be really awesome. Those are some of my biggest goals and then just getting my students to become the best that they can be. Okay. So you think some of that, maybe some of your early theater training, maybe possibly like to do some of that work with martial arts in the future then? Yes. I've always liked to perform and I did a quite, I did like this. It was, it was kind of like choir, but it was more of like a play. I did that mm -hmm. through my church when I was younger okay. and I did some acting with that and I really enjoyed that. Very cool. Nice. All right. A few fun questions to wrap it up. I'm not sure if you're, if you're much of a reader or not, but do you have a favorite martial arts book? A favorite martial arts book. I, when I was younger, I was more into like fantasy and stuff. So I didn't read a ton of martial arts books, okay. but I did like, when it came to like TV shows, there were some martial arts TV shows that I would watch like karate kid. That was one that I really liked even just like SpongeBob with like Sandy Cheeks, um, the like the martial arts that she did through that, that was something that I really liked too. Okay, cool. Now, were you were you ever into video games? Did you ever play any martial arts video games? I have. I've tried video games, but I've never been good at them. I've never. <laughs> I feel like I'm really technologically challenged, especially okay. when it comes to video games. So I've I've never really done a lot of video games. I guess. Okay. And that, that one, it's like 50, 50 with my guests. A lot of them have never played one and some of them still play them to this day and love them. But I, I haven't played a martial arts video game probably since before you were born. So <laughs> yeah, I, I tried playing Minecraft when I was probably, I don't even know, seven and I just couldn't figure it out. And I haven't really done video games since then. Nice. nice. All right. You, you mentioned a little bit about some TV shows. So a, a favorite martial arts TV show. Is there any, like, have you watched the new Cobra Kai? Do you, is there any like classic ones you've ever watched? Um, I've seen parts of Cobra Kai. I have seen all the Karate Kids. Mm -hmm. My dad has always been really into like martial arts oh, cool. movies and martial arts shows. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what the names of them were, but I would watch some of those too. Even just like, I guess Rocky isn't really martial arts, but there is still like some Box fighting aspects Boxing's to a it. martial art. Yeah, that, that counts. Yes. Yeah, that was something that I would watch too. Rocky. Nice. Yeah, Rocky's, Rocky's, that's a, that's a favorite. I actually got my daughter to watch all of those with me. My daughter's your age. She'll be 16 this summer. But we've watched Ooh. all the Rocky movies together and all the Creed movies and she loves Cobra Kai. <laughs> So yeah, it's, I've it's, seen parts of Creed too. Creed is good. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, Samantha, I just, I want to say thank you. This has been so, you are such an impressive 
young woman, I, I, I bet your parents are immensely proud of you. I mean, it just, Thank you're, you so you're, much. you're so well composed. You're so good at speaking. And I, I can't wait to see what else you accomplish just in martial arts and in life. And I, I hope I get to see you compete someday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. If you go to the Diamond Nationals this year, I will be there. I need to go back. I really do. I, I haven't, I mean, I'm dating myself, but I haven't been to the Diamond Nationals to watch since probably 1997 or 1998. <laughs> Things have definitely changed quite a bit since then. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine. Just like style of martial arts. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it, it was starting to change back then. Even like the five, six years I went, it was really starting to change and it'd be fun to go back again. I'm assuming they're still in October every year usually. Yes. Yeah. I think it's end of October this year. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check. If I can make it work, I will definitely go down to even just to go to the Saturday. It'd be fun to go watch and, and who knows, maybe bring my gear and do some live interviews. Actually it'd be fun to do like a live podcast from the diamond nationals. I don't know if I could pull that off or not, but that might be kind of fun to do. <laughs> that, that would be great if you could do that. I would love to see that. Once again, I just want to thank you. And this episode, I will send you the link when it's ready. It'll, it'll either be one or two weeks. I got to see, uh, I'm, I'm actually leaving for Utah tomorrow for college, okay. orient, college orientation for my, my middle son. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. So depending if I can get it edited in time, it, it might air this week. Otherwise it'll be a week later, but uh, I will try my hardest to get it ready and I'll send you the link when it's good and promote the heck out of it. But once again, it, it's been so fun talking to you and uh, it's, I, I seriously, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to follow your career and, and hopefully uh, see you do great things and maybe see you in a movie someday and be like, Hey, I talked to her when she was 16. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists, and we'll see you next week.